And so right in this moment, I acknowledge that there is one presence, one God, one universal consciousness that is giving, creating, and being all that there is. Every person, everything is made of this presence. And because there is only this, I know that I and all things and all peoples are one. And I know that everything that is blessing this planet, providing life, nourishment, in the form of the sacred waters, as they cool the heat and the flames of the summers, of the fires, that that is love. And that there are winds blowing and moving God in the skies, creating weather that supports all And so today I release judgment, I release fears and doubts, and knowing that there is only this one presence within me and within all things, that I release my need to control, my need to judge. For I know that this one consciousness is giving all there is to give in every moment and that it is perfect. And that today I may not have all of my answers and I can still let go and let God drive my life and steer where I'm meant to be. And today I acknowledge that I can show up as more, more love, more generosity, more compassion, and more gratitude. And so I give great thanks for the ease and the grace that is living each and every one and everything, knowing that all life is for me, supporting in all ways. I'm grateful for the love that is shared, flowing, unlimited. And I release the power of my word into the law, knowing that servant has already made it be now. And I release this, knowing it is good. And so it is. Do you get that? We can make a difference in the world. Not those folks over there.
We. Nudge the person next to you. That's you. We can make a difference in this world. And I love this teaching. I I love this teaching because it helps us to make a difference in the world. It's not about just tolerating what is, right? It's about helping to make a difference in our lives and the lives of other people. And so I wanted to look today, we're going to talk today about, um, we're going to continue, this month we're doing a, a theme on um, other voices, voices that influenced Ernest Holmes, our founder, as we celebrate the 100th anniversary of this teaching. And we're looking at, at some of the, the streams that flowed into him. And so last week and this week, we're looking at Emma Curtis Hopkins, uh, who is one of the great teachers. She was a, a teacher in the uh, 1880s and, and uh, into the early 1900s. Um, Powerful woman who, who was a feminist for her time, uh, left her husband to go study with Mary Baker Eddy in the Christian Science Movement in Boston, and uh, after a while decided that Mary Baker Eddy and she didn't <clears throat> get along too well, which a lot of people in Mary Baker Eddy decided they didn't get along too well. And so she went to Chicago, she moved all the way from Boston to Chicago, established her own theological seminary, and uh, ordained something like 1,200 men and women as ministers uh, throughout her, her lifetime. And uh, was kind of the go-to person for if you were having, if you were on a really deep spiritual path, you usually ran into somebody who said, you need to go to Chicago and go see, you know, this person here. So, and, and she's sort of an absolute. She's sort of, um, I remember uh, Dr. Kathy Ann calls her the Nike lady, the just do it, you know, of metaphysicians. We have metaphysicians who have wonderful, beautiful expositions of the theory. We're going to hear from uh, one next week in Ralph Waldo Emerson, who is brilliant uh, in, his, in his essays and his understanding of, of the cosmic process and, and that. But, but as well as, as Emma also was, but she also had, on Monday, do this. On Tuesday, do this. Take this process and work with this. Do this. You know, do it. And so if we're going to make a difference in the world, we have to do it. We can't just wish for it. So last week we talked about her first uh, principle, which is name your good. And this sounds simple, doesn't it? Name your good. But it's not. Always. You know, I, I've, I've started um, a few months ago offering uh, prayer support for about five people at a time. I go through the, the directory and kind of alphabetically offer that. And I get uh, sometimes people who send me back an email saying, can you pray for me about this? Once in a while, I get people who send me back an email that says, this is happening in my life, this is happening in my life, this is happening in my life, pray for it. And I look at that email and I want to go, so what exactly is it you actually want? What is the good that you want to name? Emma, in her book, High Mysticism, says that if we go to God and tell God our problems, God simply says, uh-huh, yes. And you get more problems, right? So what is the good that we really want to have? Yeah, I got all this stuff happening in my life. What's the outcome that I really want? What is it that I want instead? And to name and put our energy upon that good, upon that consciousness. Okay. So she tells us that after we name our good, and this good is a capital G good. It's, it's not just, you know, I want a new car, I want a new house. It's the good behind that. It's the principle of good, if you will. And yes, it shows up as cars and houses and relationships and, and parking spots and all that stuff, right? But it's, it's the principle behind it. What is that good? What is it that I want? I want to know peace. I want to know joy. I want to know love. I want to know my belongingness in the world. 
and my belongingness in the universe. So to start to name that. But she also observes in the next chapter that as soon as we name our good, the next thing we become aware of is we don't have our good. And then as she says, we tend to focus on that and talk about that and talk to our friends about the good that we don't have. Now, I know none of you have ever done that, but you know people. You've heard them, right? And so, we, and so that's where she introduces the concept of what is, she calls denials, is that this ain't the truth. You know, God is not sick. I think it was Eric Butterworth who said, there's never been a famine in the universe, in the consciousness of the universe. There's been a famine on the planet, tons of them. But in, the, in spirit itself, spirit doesn't have famine. There's no lack. There's no place where the infinite presence is missing and not showing up. That's sort of like looking at the sun and saying, well, you know, the sun isn't shining as much on that country because it doesn't like that country. The sun just shines, right? It just is. It's just, it's givingness. And that's how spirit is. We, of course, have to align with that givingness. So if I have a belief that says, yeah, but I don't deserve that, that, that good, that good won't come to me. Well, the universe says, okay. And it doesn't matter how much I say I want this good. If I believe, we're going to talk about faith in just a minute. If I believe and have faith that that good isn't coming to me, guess what? That's what dominates. So the, the first thing she does is say what's not true. If I'm experiencing lack in my finances, there is no lack in the universe. If I'm experiencing sickness in my body, there is no sickness in the universe. God's not sick. Okay? And by the way, that doesn't mean our bodies won't do stuff. Just so we're clear. I remember, I really got this once when I had a cold and I was praying to be, you know, to get over the cold. And I literally heard this voice say, the cold is the process of releasing from your body what needs to be released. You're not sick, but you are having a process. I didn't like the process. It was a messy process. You ever have a cold? It's a messy process, right? But it's a process. And what I learned after that was, as soon as I started feeling the symptoms of a cold come on, I started saying, what wants to be released? What's the emotion? What's the thought? What, what is it that's in my body that I want to release? And if I do the work to actually release that, I find the cold lasts for two to four days instead of two weeks and usually isn't always as severe. Okay? So it doesn't mean our bodies won't do stuff, but if we, if we understand that there is a deeper process than that, that there is a health in the universe that is always on and always ours, then we can lean into that no matter what the body is doing. I am healthy. Just as I am just as I am. And the situation can change, as we know, right? Situations change. Have you noticed? Okay. Everything that was born is going to die. Everything that has a beginning has an ending. And then a new beginning. And so situations change. So she says, deny what's not capital T truth, and then affirm what is that truth. And in that way, we build our awareness and our our the picture and image in our mind of what it is that we truly want. What is it I really want? I get rid of the stuff that I don't believe in so that I can really truly establish this good in my mind. Once we're clear on that good and what it is and what's been blocking us from experiencing that good and, and declaring what is the truth about that, we have to build a foundation. That foundation is what we call faith. She calls faith the fire of convincing energy. Isn't that a great the fire of convincing energy. And, and who is faith convincing? Ourselves. 
We're convincing ourselves to the point that we become the place where that already being shown out good shows up in our lives. And the place where we've been blocking it or been in shadow moves aside. We step out of the shadow. There's a, there's a play written in the early 1600s. Emma quotes from this play. I love this quote. It's, it's um, one of the characters in this play is speaking this. And he says, Cease your fretful prayers, your whinings and your tame petitions. The gods love courage, armed with confidence, and prayers fit to pull them down. Weak tears and troubled hearts, the dull twins of cold spirits, they sit and smile at. Isn't that great? Is your prayer powerful enough to pull the gods, you know, and, and this is, of course, you know, from uh, an old belief system, but to, to, to invite that consciousness to really uh, electrify it, to energize it enough that it shows up in your life? Or are you just sitting there going, well, lukewarm? Before we go further about faith, we must, I want to also emphasize we already have all the faith we ever will have. I've heard people say, I want more faith. No, what we don't want is more faith. We want more faith, our faith more accurately directed in the direction we want to go. So the question is, what do I have faith in? If I've got 60% of my faith aimed this way and 40% of it aimed in the opposite direction, I'm going to be in a tug of war with, a, with my own consciousness. So we want to have that faith and direct it where we really want it to go. Yes? Okay. It doesn't matter how thoroughly we've named our good. If we really have faith, convincing energy, that things aren't going to work out, that I'm not good enough, that the all-givingness of the universe won't work for me. It'll work for that person over there, not me. If I have faith in that, what do I experience? I experience all that stuff. And I don't experience my good. So we want to have our faith as close to 100% as we can aimed towards the good that we are naming towards the good that we want to have manifest in our lives. Take a breath. Let that anchor in your body. Where is my faith? Where truly is my faith? And would I like to change it? See, these, these I call them meta-beliefs. You know, I have this belief, but I have this overarching belief that says nothing's going to work out anyways. Okay? And it's like termites in a building. You can build the most beautiful building, but if it's got termites in it, it's going to come down. Yes? Okay? And so these meta-beliefs are like that. They constantly undermine it. These are our underlying or false beliefs. These are our false gods, if you will, in which we have greater faith in the real truth and the real God, and we've got to either release them or bypass them. And so Emma talks about we have to have two kinds of faith. The first one is faith in God. And the second one is the faith of God. Two different aspects. And so let's talk about that first one, that faith in God. Faith in God is an inward movement. Faith of God is an outward movement, okay? It's a yin-yang. The faith in God is this inward. I'm willing to go inward. I'm willing to become vulnerable to this infinite presence. I'm willing to say, I can't do it all by myself. God, that's tough. I think you, in your prayer, said we like to control things. And sometimes we have to let go of control, right? So we have to have 
a recognition of and a faith in something that's greater than me and yet is still me. Still me. It and I are one. So it's not some big guy in the sky or goddess over there or whatever. It and I are one. Each of us has experienced that at some point in our lives in some way. We've had a nudge, we've heard a voice, we've had a vision, we've had some experience of that there's something greater than us, right? We probably wouldn't be sitting in this room together if we weren't, if we hadn't. I'll excuse the musicians, you guys get paid, so you don't. But you probably have too. Probably when you play music, when you're in a zone and you realize it's just kind of playing through you rather than you playing it. Whatever it is, that there's that something that's greater than us that comes through. And so we have that, and it's good to know that and to recognize that and to be aware of that so when our little yappy mind goes, Ian, you're, uh, you're a little isolated nothingness you know, in the middle of a cold desert planet or a warm desert planet or whatever, there's something we can tap into that says, yeah, but I've had this experience of this vision. I've had this voice that, that warned me about something or called me to something or said, I'm always with you or something like that. So we have the idea and the recognition that there is something that we can lean into, which guides, loves, and supports us always. Take a breath. Guides, loves, and supports us. How long? Always. It's always there. Always on. It gives us anything that we ask in true faith because it's not that it gives from, you know, well, if you, if you ask me just the right way, I'll give you this. But because it is givingness itself. It is just life expression itself. That's where, where when Jesus says, before they have called, I will answer, meaning the Father will answer, it's because the Father's already given the answer. We're just tuning in. Right? You know, right now there's a football game on in this room. Did you know that? But we don't have a tuner to tune into it. Some of you will say, thank God. <laughs> Others will say, oh darn. Okay? There's all sorts of stuff in this room that we are not tuned into. The law of aerodynamics was available long before the Wright brothers created a heavier than air flying machine, right? They didn't get down their knees and say, hey God, would you give us a law that will allow us to create an airplane? No, it was available. Did we know how to use it? No. So all we're doing is aligning ourselves with the ability to use this infinite principle that has always been and always will be and is right this second available in whatever dimension of our life we want to. And we're just opening up to that understanding. And so that's when I say we have faith in God. We have to surrender to that. We have to open up. We have to listen and trust that inner voice and that inner knowing. We have to get our own bloated nothingness out of the way. I'm stealing Kerry's line from Emerson for next week again. But it's my favorite you know, line. Sometimes in religious science, we tend to reduce God to a principle, right? Sometimes, to an impersonal principle. But God is more than just that. God is, it works through principle. It works through us and through the universe as principle, but it's not just principle. That's how it works. It is love. It is personal, and you don't want to, do you want to know how it's personal? Because you're a person. It's you. If you want to see a personal expression of God, look at the person next to you or around you or look in a mirror. This is God personified. You're it. And so as such, we're always in relationship with this oneness. 
In this relationship, we have to become humble to its desires. Take a breath. Oh God, he said that word humble. We have to let go of my way and take the high way. What is the higher truth? What is that which is greater than me that knows what, what, as I'm calling for this good, what is it that knows how to manifest this good greater than I could have already done? Because had I already been able to manifest that good, I would have, right? Based on what I know now. I think it's a 12-step program that says, my best thinking got me here, which means usually having a trashed life through drugs or alcohol or whatever, and finally landed me in a 12-step program, okay? So our best thinking sometimes gets us, has, besides me, anybody else's best thinking ever get them in some place that they kind of sit there and go, God, I should have listened to that voice, okay? So trusting that these, these intentions of the Spirit, this voice of the Spirit, always leads us to a greater good. Always leads us to a greater experience of good. Always. How often? Always. No matter how it appears to us with a finite and conditioned, preconditioned view of how it should be. Okay. We've all had times where we've sat there and we've said we won something that later on we say, oh, thank God I didn't get that. Thank God I didn't get that job, that relationship, that, you know, I, when I was 13 years old, I wanted to be a, a priest, a Catholic priest. I was a nice Catholic altar boy, and I was in love with Jesus and the Catholics, and, and I applied to the seminary, and I got turned down. Not sure why. My gain. You know, years later, I went, thank God. We've also had, like I said before, things where we say, well, I got my way, but... <clears throat> kind of wish I wouldn't have, right? So our faith in God requires us to be meek. Emma uses the metaphor of the daughter of Zion, and that the daughter in, in the Jewish household was the meekest person in the household. Now, for, for us as liberated men and especially liberated women today, we sit there and go, <clears throat> I ain't going to be no meek girl. Anybody besides me? <laughs> right? But on the metaphorical, this is an internal meekness. This is, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to set aside my will that thine be done. Because, I tr- because my will, I've, you know, again, it goes back to my will is my thinking, my best thinking. Okay? I'm willing to set that aside and say, okay, look, you know, I've hit an impasse. I'm willing to have thy will be done. I'm willing to surrender to something else. That's the meekness that we're talking about. So we are aligned with good and its way. And this is a beingness. This part of it, the having faith in God, is a beingness as opposed to a doingness. It's as, ac- accessing our divine feminine within. We all have that, guys. You have it too. We are accessing our divine feminine that opens up and listens and is soft and gentle. Okay. So that's the faith in God. After we've been meek, and after we hear that, and after we have the guidance, then we step out with authority, having the faith of God. And by this she means it's the faith of the God that says, let there be light, and there is. Because now I recognize I'm in alignment with truth. I'm not doing my way anymore. But I'm grounded in this power. 
We call forth our good with authority and with power. We command the law as a general commands an army. You know, Jesus had the, the metaphor of, of the centurion who came to him who said, you know, my son is lying sick at my home. Speak your word and I know that he will be healed. You don't have to come down to my house. He says, I understand how this works because I'm a centurion, I'm a captain. And when I say to one man, go do this, he does this. And when I say to another, go do that, he does that. And Jesus looks at the guy and he goes, you get this. You get this better than my own disciples do. Speak the word and it happens. So we speak with authority. That goes back to cease your fretless prayers, your whinings and your tame petitions, the God's love, courage armed with confidence. Speak it with confidence. Stand boldly for your good and what it is that you want to have experienced. See, we want to... We have to be meek to the law first. Let's take electricity. We have to be meek to the laws of electricity, right? If you're not, what happens? You zap. I want electricity to work my way. And electricity just says, I'm, I'm working my way. You can... Love it or hate it. You can use it or misuse it, but this is how I work. This is how I roll. This is how I flow. Right? So we become meek to it. But once we do, once we understand the laws and how it works, we use them with authority. We don't flip on the light switch going, well, I hope there's some light. I hope this time the law of electricity will work for me. We basically say, let there be light, and there is. And guess what? If there's not, what happens? Do we look and say, well, pfft. Electricity doesn't like me. That principle of electricity doesn't work for me. Works for them over there. It doesn't work for me here. No, we sit there and go, something's wrong with the wiring. Something's wrong with the, the, you know, the process itself. It's wrong with the internal. It's wrong with, with you might say, us. What, where am I out of alignment or this building out of alignment with the flow of electricity? We don't sit there and question the law of electricity or the principle of electricity. And so when we sit there and our good doesn't show up, we don't question the good and the source of the good. We sit there and go, okay, where do I need to be in greater and more powerful alignment with that which is already going on, that which is already flowing? And so that's where we build faith. We sit there and know the good. We know the process. We trust the infinite principle and its process of working through us. And we say, how can I be in alignment with that more fully, more thoroughly? We have to do that work, and we have to stand with that conviction and that power and that fire of convincing energy as we express our good, as we name our good and then declare our good into form. Where do we direct our faith? Do we direct it in the direction we really, truly want it to go, or do we split it out all over the place? Are we a laser focused with light? Or are we an incandescent bulb just sort of scattering? Take a breath. So this week I want to invite us to do two practices. The first one is to practice having faith in God. Practice having that faith in this infinite principle. Take the idea of the good that you named last week, if you were here for that. If you weren't here for that, Ask yourself, what is a good that I would like to experience more of in my life right now? By the way, it doesn't mean you have to be in lack right now. It could be, no, it's going good and I want to have more. 
I could be in an already loving relationship and I want to have it be even more loving. I could be already financially pretty healthy and I'd like to be even more financially healthy. I could be physically more healthy and I want to be more healthy. Okay? So it doesn't have to be, oh my God, my life is miserable and here's what I want. If it is, that's okay too. What's the good you want to have in that place? But practice having faith in God. Take the idea of good which you named last week and meditate on it. Sit with it. Listen and ask the question, what do I have to know or to be to allow this good to manifest? What is it that I need to know? By the way, this is not a five-minute process. This is Jacob wrestling with the angel. It may be an all-night-long thing. It may be a week-long thing. It may be a year-long thing. I don't know. But I sit and listen to spirit. What do I need to know about this good to allow myself to become the place where it can manifest? If I want to be the change in the world, what do I need to know about that to allow this good to manifest, to allow this change? And what is the change? Change is just change, right? What's the change? What does it look like? Name that good. What is it that I want to create in this world? And start to say, how can I be in alignment with that? And then when I know that, when I feel, you'll feel a a click, a a crunch. I've been working, sometimes I work with with practitioner clients and all of a sudden they'll burst into tears or they'll start laughing or their whole body will kind of, oh, you know, and it's just like, it's, we come to something where there's a deeper understanding that happens. When you get to that point, where then you know, it's not just my intellect talking, it's like, oh, it's like, you know, I can have a V8. I'm having a V8. Then we move to the second practice, which once we've listened, we speak with authority that our good is now manifesting. We declare that into being. And we declare that it's happening in the most wonderful and perfect way possible, by the way. I always like to add that. Because I've had good happen in ways that are mm, less than pleasant, and I've had good happen in ways that it just flows and so easy. I'll take this one, thank you, if it's at all possible. Okay? Remember, it's your convincing energy, your faith, not the words that make it so. And so you bring that fire of convincing energy into that. So that's our two practices. Spend some time being in God, having faith in God. Noticing, do you have places where you're out of alignment with that? Are there places where I don't trust God? And ask yourself, would you not trust electricity? Do you think that gravity is an on and off, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't process? And how much more so is the infinite presence? So I spend time being in with my faith in God, and then I spend time, once I'm anchored in that, being the faith of God and moving this out. You willing to play with that this week? Cool. It'll shift your life. It's very powerful. I want to close with a quote from, from Emma, and I think I'm going to do this as kind of an affirmation that we say together. So if you'll say after me, as divine mind, which I am, I work the works of God, who works through me me. to will and to do that which ought to be done by me. I have faith in God. I have the faith of God.
As divine mind which I am, I work the works of God who works through me to will and to do that which ought to be done by me. I have faith in God. I have the faith of God. And I'll put that on the website somewhere. We'll figure out a place to put it or, or in the uh, e-news so that you can take that with you. Let's pray. Join me in taking a deep breath and turning to that that infinite sun that is greater than the sun, that infinite light, that infinite principle, that infinite love, that infinite paradox that is both impersonal and personal simultaneously and more. Knowing that its nature is always for its highest and greatest expression, this infinite can't be against itself. It would self-destruct. And so whatever we think, it is always expressing for a higher and greater good. And I know that because that presence is infinite, that each of us is one of that. And so we are one of the love. We are one of the good. We are one of the joy, the peace, the beauty, the power, the, the life energy of the infinite presence. We are already one of that. We are that, always have been, always will be, and are right now recognizing this as our truth. Letting go of all the shadows that have blocked that from our mind, from our sight, from our vision. We stand in that light of truth. And I speak my word that each of us, by knowing that truth, and as we deepen in that truth, creates a world that works for all. On an individual and collective level. That we are the change we want to see in the world. That our own lives reflect and express that change, that opening up to the greater good that we are and always have been and are now setting free in a greater dimension and a greater way than ever before. That we step out of caterpillar stage, we step out of our disillusion stage, we step out of battling our way out of the cocoon stage and become the three transformed butterflies that we are individually and as a species. That this truth, this transformation, that there's enough of us who know this and allow it to move through us, that it shifts the consciousness of this world. The infinite presence of God is way bigger than that. And so I simply say yes to that shift, yes, to that consciousness, yes, to that good of expressing its true nature in this world. That I get my bloated nothingness out of the way and allow that flow to happen through and as me. And so I'm grateful for each of us who says that yes, who is willing to allow this flow of light, of love, of life energy, of of beauty, of peace, of joy through them through us and for all the good that comes out of that for all the shift in consciousness that comes out of that I'm grateful for each of us who says yes and for the spirit the infinite presence that moves through us as that yes and so I release this word into what we call the law that which is just the process in which it happens we declare the what and the law knows how it already knows how and so we let it be Knowing it is already so, it is already done. So it is. We learned today that 
you have to focus on the present so you don't get distracted on anything else except the now. So, so you don't get worried about other things so fast. In the teens class, we learned about mindfulness, and we um, played around with some objects and ate some tomatoes, drew on a tomato, and, and we learned about mindfulness and that through mindfulness and being mindful of what you can doing, you can discover things about yourself, like what foods you don't like or why you don't like them or that you actually do like them or... Um, in that piece, just discover something that you might have been looking for, and, mind, and that mindfulness is a really good tool for any for any situation. <laughs>